the last piece, H, is just hustle, hustle, hustle. And I say it three times, and I'm sure <laughs> you agree with this, is that, you know, at this, in my opinion, in this day and age, there's not, um, to me, there's not a way to pay off that much amount of debt, but also long-term, you know, hit your financial goals if you've only got one hustle going on. Like, if you're just relying on one income, I don't think, I don't think that can work. So hustle, hustle, hustle is at least three incomes. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And I actually saw this post uh, last week. It said, I don't care how much money you make. If you only have one source, it's too close to zero. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Paul, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And today, as I always say, we have a special guest, but our guests really are always special. And today was particularly special because it's not every day that you get a chance to have a candid conversation with someone who loves financial freedom just as much as you. I mean, literally, we've only known each other for probably less than a month. And we've had these aha moments where we've been on the exact same page more than a few. Like, you know, I'm typically not a guy who um, is at a loss for words, hence the fact why I have a podcast where I can talk as much as I want to talk. But some of the things that we uh, are aligned on is just is it's just so exciting because it's not every day that you get to find that, especially when it comes to money. And so I, I was so excited and fortunate enough to be connected to Bernadette. Um, just a few short weeks ago, and we already have some some great things in the works. I love what she stands for. I love what she represents. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on, a sh- on the show is because, you know, she is a, a perfect example of what can happen when you prioritize what matters most to you. And so, you know, Bernadette was living in New York. She had a six-figure job, uh, living in a fancy New York apartment. And, you know, she was doing everything. And she had everything except she felt miserable. And, you know, at some point or another, she became a nerd with the specific obsession of saving money to earn the freedom that she didn't want to have to wait for. So she quit her corporate job, studied entrepreneurship globally and aggressively paid off all her debt, including her house by the time she was 34 years old, which is 30 years plus. Right. Because I think retirement age is like 65, maybe 67, depending upon who you ask. 30 years before retirement, she got all her debt paid off. So now she teaches everything she learned along the way about career, small business, and personal finance through live talks and media, including written articles, podcasts, television, and online courses. Uh, You can get a glimpse at her debt-free life at Bernadette Joy, where she is usually singing karaoke, doing DIY home renovations, playing board games, and drinking copious amounts of bubble tea. Guys, you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, I'm super excited. Be on the lookout for some of the things that her and I are working towards. When I caught wind of who she was, I knew that she was someone I wanted to connect with. And ultimately, um, that has been confirmed. So, guys, tune in for a great episode you don't want to miss. Uh, Bernadette Joy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, Drinking my my coffee here, trying trying to wake up a little bit. Me too. Uh, had a long, a long, long night. So, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. So, um, I know I, I always give my my formal intro in the beginning, but you know, who is Bernadette Joy, and what is she all about? Oh, that in itself is a great question. That is something that I ask myself every day. Yeah. Uh, and I would say today, Bernadette Joy is. Uh, trying to be healthy, starting my Whole30 diet today. Mm -hmm. Um, But generally speaking, Bernadette Joy is really passionate about anything related to helping people live a better life. Uh, One of those things being a debt-free lifestyle. And so that's a lot of what I talk about. Um, But it all relates back to how can I help people 
just uh, be the better versions of themselves. And a lot of that to me is related to uh, making sure that we're spending not only our time and um, money wisely, but our energy too. And so I am uh, awesome. Energy conservatist today, as you can see from my um, cozy sweater <laughs> and uh, my weighted blanket that I will soon be back under after this after this call. And uh, and aside from that, I also um, consider myself a wife and family member and friend first and foremost, and uh, and a lover of K-pop. I will also say. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. And so I've, I've been hearing a lot about these weighted blankets lately. Are they really a thing? Like what, what, what's, what's the deal with these weighted blankets? Totally a thing. Uh, my husband and I just came back from Boston to uh, celebrate his brother's birthday and we were sleeping in his guest bedroom. And for the first two nights, my husband could not sleep at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking he was cold and he usually sleeps through the night. And then on the third night, my sister-in-law brought several other blankets to try on. And instead of using one other one, he used all of them. And I realized it was the weight that he was missing, not, oh. not the warmth. So he literally had like 10 blankets on, which is the equivalent of our 18-pound blanket. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. I'm, I'm pretty sure my, my, my wife would probably like something like that, which ironically enough, we realized you guys had the same birthday. So that's super cool. I know we're twins. What are the odds of that? I think there actually is a number of what the odds are, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> and, and knowing us being numbers people, we probably will figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, so real quick, and I know you probably heard this several times. Um, if you got a dollar for every time someone used your last name as a play on words, burn a debt, would you be filthy? Would you be filthy rich? <laughs> um. Funny enough, no, I don't think so because I didn't. It didn't even occur to me until oh, really? recently. Yeah, yeah, my brother, maybe a year ago, texted me. He was like, "Do you realize your name is Bernadette?" And like spelled it out that way. And I was like, "I mean, yeah." And he was just like, "But why don't you use that?" I was like, "Oh, that's a good point." <laughs> I never, I never thought about it. Yeah. And so I just changed my handle this year on all of my social media to that. And people are like, oh, every time I say it, people are like, oh, I see what you did there. And I was like, I can't really take credit for that. Yeah. Um, what is funny enough as it relates to that is last year, and I'm sure you can kind of relate to this being in this media space is that, you know, a lot of people ask questions and um, there is kind of a fine line between maybe the personality that you have on media versus in real life. Mm-hmm. And I had a real struggle with that last year, especially as I started getting maybe not as nice feedback on certain things and was taking it really personal. And for some reason, the um, spelling of my name on social media with the D-E-B-T um, versus my real name, Bernadette mm-hmm. Joy, has allowed me to separate me personally from uh, my Disney. Got it. So when people are like, asking me questions. I'm like, are you asking Bernadette D-E-B-T or are you asking Bernadette? Because <laughs> I, I may have two different answers for you depending on what it is. <laughs> yeah, nice nice little separation. Now, I had a podcast uh, the other week with a couple, phenomenal couple. They, they've been in business together for, for almost 30 years. And one of the things the wife said that she had to do for it, for it to work is she had to ask her husband, who was she talking to? She's like, am I talking to the CEO or am I talking to my husband? Um, because yeah. there, there is a distinction there. Now, cool. I just, cause I immediately saw it and that's what came to mind. I was like, oh, burn it dead. That's why she's still, she's burning all the debts down. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, okay, cool. That's interesting that, that, uh, that didn't come to mind initially. All right. So let's now, now that I've, I've gotten all these, these uh, questions out the way, let's, uh, let's, let's hop into some other stuff. Um, so what was the initial spark of you just, just saying, you know what, like I want to aggressive, not just, you know. Uh, incrementally, I want to aggressively pay off this debt. Like, what sparked that? That <laughs> I like the fist pump that you did in the air because that's basically how <laughs> it felt. Um, I was looking at my student loans my last semester of my MBA program. I remember this very distinctly. It was January mm-hmm. of 2016. I was like, "Oh, I have like 10 weeks until I graduate. Let me figure out what the student loan situation looks like." I know I've been paying some towards it, but I didn't know exactly how much I had, which, you know, in hindsight was kind of silly for someone doing an MBA and all of that. And 
I looked at it and it had, you know, 60,000, but it had already accumulated several thousand dollars in interest. And Mm -hmm. for some reason in my mind, I thought, I thought interest didn't accumulate until after I graduated, which clearly that wasn't true. And, uh, and so I guess I was just in, in utter shock. That was probably the biggest impetus was just like the shock of how much uh, student loan debt I had taken out without realizing it and how quickly it built interest. Yeah. And I was looking at the, at the accumulation and every day it was like three or $4, which doesn't sound like a ton, but I was in the program mm-hmm. for two years at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, minimally I could have gotten a nice cup of coffee every day for that same amount. I would have had like 700 cups of coffee by now. <laughs> and <laughs> And so that was the reason that I started was because like, I can't believe I did this. I was really kind of upset with myself. And then when I started looking at the repayment plan of, oh yeah, you can defer it until, you know, six months after graduation and then you have 10 years to pay it off. I was like, 10 years? That sounds crazy to me. No way. Yeah. And I'm going to try to get rid of this as soon as, soon as possible. Got it. And that's, and that's what began the journey. Okay. So, so tell us a little bit about like your process and what strategies you used uh, to, to pay it off. I mean, it's no, no easy feat. I think what, what's the total number, including your mortgage, like around 300,000 ish. 300 K. Yep. 300 yeah. K so that's, three no, years. that's no easy feat. Um, so tell us a little bit about like your approach and your process to, to knocking down that mountain of debt. Yeah. And, uh, and it works out really great because as I had gotten this question a lot, I kind of looked back in hindsight as to what those steps were. Mm-hmm. And that has actually become kind of my thing, why all of my stuff is branded around crush your money goals. And my first podcast was called crush this debt was because the CRUSH stands for this different steps that I took. Uh Uh, So just to go through that really quickly. So the C stood for, um, stands for cultivate your money mindset, which I think you, you just mentioned that we're both money nerds. I wasn't always a money nerd for sure. It was this whole debt situation that got me into it. And really just teaching myself about not just money, but, you know, debt-free lifestyle, about, um, you know, how to make, make more money, anything related to how I could either save or make more money. And also, I think most importantly was kind of getting rid of a lot of the garbage in my mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the fallacies about money that we learn, mm-hmm. um, some of the things that I grew up with in terms of money philosophy. kind of recalibrating all of those things. So changing my money mindset first. Uh, The next piece was uh, R, which is reverse engineer your life goals. And what I mean by that is when you asked, you know, how did you come about paying this off so quickly? I had about $72,000 of student loan debt when I looked at it Mm -hmm. in January. And I said, well, I want to be done with this in two years. And by two years, because I think I will have ramped up my business, my first business by then. And I want to be able to go into that full time. And so you just do the math, right? $72,000 divided by um, uh, two years on a monthly basis was about $3,000 per month. And so that was my goal. And if you, and I drilled it down even further to say, okay, $3,000 per month, that's about $750 per week. Like what can I do to either make or save an extra $750 per week, right? Mm -hmm. Making it really tangible. Uh, Because if you look at the whole amount of $72,000, like that feels like a lot. Right. Right. Uh, So that, that helps a lot in terms of breaking it down. Mm -hmm. And then the U is using your resources efficiently. So talking about time, money, and energy, uh, we can go into all of that about how I went crazy on, you know, just anything I could do to not only save money, but save time in order to make more money or save energy (laughs) in order to work more to make more money. (laughs) Um, But saving those three resources specifically. And then the last two, um, S stands for spend on what you love. Uh, I used to get this question a lot of like, what did it take to sacrifice? Like, that's always the question. What did you sacrifice in order to make this happen? And there was definitely a lot of sacrifices, but I think what kept me on the journey was picking a couple of things that I absolutely loved. And I promised myself I would continue to spend money on those things in order to keep me on task. Cause if I cut out everything, right. there's no way I would have stuck to it for sure. And then the last piece H is just hustle, hustle, hustle. And I say it three times and I'm sure <laughs> you agree with this is that, 
you know, at this, in my opinion, in this day and age, there's not, um, to me, there's not a way to pay off that much amount of debt, but also long-term, you know, hit your financial goals. If you've only got one hustle going on, like if you're just relying on one income, I don't think, I don't think that can work. So hustle, hustle, hustle is at least three incomes. (laughs) I like that. I like that. And I actually saw this post uh, last week. It said, I don't care how much money you make. If you only have one source, it's too close to zero. That's what he said. And I I love that. um, I agree with that. Well, I love that acronym and I love how like practical that is. I think the biggest thing that I took away that it seems simple that more people don't do is just breaking it down. Like just really sitting down and like, okay, yes, this is $372,000 worth of debt, but what's my goal? Reverse engineer that. What is that going to take for me to do uh, each month? What what does that look like each week? And then it makes it more bite-sized, right? It's like they always say, what's the best way to eat an elephant? It's, you know, one piece at a time. So I think that that's that's a great takeaway because when you look at it that way, it's probably a lot easier to just know what your target is versus saying in three years, I want to pay off 300,000. It's each month. This is what it looks like each week. This is what it looks like. And and then thinking, thinking more strategically about what can I do to be able to pay that off versus just looking defeated as to like, Oh, I can't pay it off because it's this extra expense that I have. So I, I like that approach a lot. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's worked really well as I've tried to start helping other people with their debt. So I have this mission this year to help people pay off at least $10,000 debt um, every year. Cause a lot of people will hear the story of $300,000. And for some reason, I don't know, maybe my mind works differently, but a lot of people are like, well, I can't do that. That sounds unreasonable. So I'm just not going to do anything, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I, I'm always like, well, you, you know, $10,000 is still better than, you know, nothing. Right? right. And so when I use that same approach of, okay, even $10,000 will seem like a lot, but if you break that down, if we start this month in March, right, then it's a thousand dollars every month from now until the end of the year, which mm-hmm. is $250 a week, which you can even take the weekends off and it would still be 50 bucks per day. Like what can you do to make an extra 50 bucks today or save 50 bucks today? Right. And when I've posed it that way, a light bulb seems to, seems to go off in people's heads. Right. Like, oh, 50 bucks today? Like, that seems doable. 100%. I think what people don't realize is that, you know, paying off debt is, is a finite thing. Eventually, that debt will go to zero, right? But the income that you can earn is an infinite thing. And I think if people mm-hmm. can approach it from that standpoint, like, hey, okay, well, yes, have this debt that I'm trying to knock down, but I have the potential and the ability to create another hustle um, that can take care of the debt. Right. So like, that's literally what, that's what came to mind when you said, I thought about it in terms of assets, like, okay, well, I have this asset that produces this income stream for another goal. But as it relates to paying off debt, you can do the exact same thing. Like, don't even look at it as you, the person paying off the debt. Like I'm going to go out and have this hustle and that hustle that I know that I previously wasn't um, getting money from now it's taking care of my debt. My, one of my hustles is taking care of my debt. Right. And so I think that you just have to be creative about how you approach it. Um, and don't go into it being discouraged and, and have a mindset of I'm going to tackle this and I'm going to figure out a creative way that allows me to do it. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very excited by, by that approach because I think if more people can just look at it in a bite-sized way and, and have a more tactical approach to it and not be so intimidated, uh, they, they, yeah. they have a lot more success. I love what you said about that. And that's a piece that I've shifted a lot this year specifically is exactly what you said that paying off debt is a finite period. If you stick to it, then it won't be forever. (laughs) Some people feel like it has been forever for sure. Um, But I think that is a piece that has really resonated with people as well is that when I look back, right, during that time period, it felt pretty crappy. (laughs) It felt, you know, like it was going to feel forever. But then in hindsight, three years in the grand scheme of my life is a blip in the radar. And That's, you know, what I tell a lot of people is that if you are on this debt-free journey, it's not forever. And so, yeah, you're going to have to make some sacrifices or make some difficult choices, but just know that there's a beginning and an end to it. So I love that you mentioned that. Awesome. Awesome. What's up, guys? George Paul here, founder of the Melanin Million Movement. Did you guys know that the Melanin Million Movement is on a mission to help 100,000 people of color invest their first or next 
$1,000 in the stock market, effectively creating $100 million of new wealth among people of color. If you haven't heard about it, head over to melaninmoney.com. Check out the Get Started page. There's also some great apparel on the site to help you spread the word without having to say a thing. What, what were some of your more challenging parts of the journey? Like looking back, like, man, that was just, that was tough. Yeah. Um, funny enough, a lot of it was not related to anything super rational. A lot of it was more on the emotional side of money, mm -hmm. um, particularly how it related to relationships with family and friends and, and even my husband. Uh, for example, you know, one of the things that people are so astounded by um, recently is uh, you know, my husband and I haven't used a credit card in like three years. And mm -hmm. since we started paying up debt, right? And people like can't get over that. <laughs> I, I realized that last week, I actually wrote an article about it because people kept asking me like, wait, how are you not using credit cards? And the assumption was that my husband and I were always on the same page about this. And that is so not true. Mm -hmm. And I was the first one to cut out my credit cards because I was the one who had the student loan debt. I was very animate about cutting all debt out of my life. And my husband, like many other people, um, loved his discover card. He had a little sea turtle on it <laughs> that he loved. <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to keep using the credit card. And so that was such a hot debate in our marriage for a while. Um, and it really wasn't until he saw how serious I was when, you know, former Bernadette who loved shopping and loved going to get anything and everything and swipe that you know, Sapphire as often as I could was mm -hmm. not doing it at all. He was like, Oh man, she's actually really serious about this. She wasn't just saying this, like some of this other stuff that she says sometimes. Um, and so that was really challenging in, you know, coming to uh, kind of a mutual philosophy on what our finances would look like that being an example. And then the other piece was, you know, I think there's a lot of shame around, money and debt and mm -hmm. never having enough of it. And I definitely felt that, especially because a lot of my friends um, came from a similar background that I did. I used to be in corporate. I used to work for like, you know, Fortune 100 companies. I made a pretty good salary before. And so when I not only decided to go back to school, I decided to quit my corporate job and start a business and also pay off debt. It was a very big lifestyle shift. Um, mm -hmm. And my friends didn't fully understand that. And because I've had had that earning potential before, they'd be like, oh yeah, we're going on this trip or we're going out to these dinners or we're doing this like real expensive thing. You know, are you coming? And I was always, I was always the, the person that was like down for anything, yeah. right? Like I was a hype girl in our group. Like whatever we're doing, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's go, let's have fun and all of that stuff. So when all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I'm staying home. Like, and they're like, wait, what do you mean you're staying home? Like, no, I'm staying <laughs> home. And I wouldn't explain to them at first why, because I was embarrassed, you know? Um, and after a while, I was finally like, after it happened so many times, I was like, look guys, do not ask me to go out for however long until I tell you, because I'm paying off this massive amount of student loan debt. And it wasn't until then they were like, oh, like, why didn't you say that before? And I'm like, I don't know, because I yeah. was embarrassed. Yeah. And so that was really hard for me personally, but it taught me a lot about, um, you know, kind of being more transparent about this topic. And also, uh, you, you really learn who your, who your true friends are, because they were like, okay, you know what, we won't go out. Let's like, I'll bring over a bottle of wine and we'll hang out at your place. Like, they, yeah. um, they also made some shifts for me in a good way. That's, that's awesome. And it made me so because that was another question I had is like, how did your friends and family, you know, respond to this, this newfound goal that you had? But um, I think you pretty much for the most part, well, we can touch on it a little bit. But one of the things I want to touch on before we, we go to that is to your point, um, you know, I'm very big on value based budgeting, right? And so the thing is, it's not a matter of not being able to do certain things. It's like just looking at how you previously spent your money and asking yourself, you know, does this align with what I say I value, right? If I look at how I'm spending my money, does this align? And if it, if it doesn't, you know, then obviously the short answer is to change that. But if it does, then the next question is, is there more cost-effective alternative, right? So if you value the fellowship, right, you don't value the food or the going out, it's like, okay, well, what can we do? Can you come over? Can you bring a bottle of wine? Can we, you know, just have a conversation? Can we go on a hike? Like, what are the things 
we can, that we can do that still have the value of what matters at the core of it, but we're not having to detract from our financial goals to do it. And I just think it takes a little bit of, a little bit of thought, but people will be, um, people would, would, don't realize that you can still do the things you love with the people that you love. You just might need to approach it differently. Um, and so you mentioned that your friends and family, you had to share with them that, hey, this is, I'm on this mission now and I can't do all these things that, you, that I was doing previously, at least for a period of time. You know, how did your friends and family just overall uh, receive uh, that? Because I know you mentioned you learn who your real friends and family are or, or friends are, but how did they receive like you just being on this aggressive path to paying off debt? Um, yeah, our friends were definitely more supportive of it. Uh, I think because our generation also just understands it more, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, I think the toughest conversations we had to have was our parents and both sides, so both my husband's parents and my parents, where they just like really didn't understand it. <laughs> They're just like, why are you doing this? And uh, my my parents in particular, actually I would say both. They're, so we're Filipino. Uh -huh. Both of our parents are Filipino as well. And I guess that makes sense to our parents. And, uh, and the focus has always been on how much money you make. It's always like, go get a great job, go make six figures, go make a ton of money. And like, doesn't matter how much you spend. Right. Mm -hmm. And so their assumption too, was that me and AJ, my husband, were both making a good amount of money. So they didn't understand why we weren't spending it. They were just like, why, why you're fine. You make a lot of money. When, and in actuality, I wasn't making a lot of money at the time because I went back to school and right. I quit a job. And that was probably a really hard conversation because it spilled over into things like the holidays or taking a family vacation or, um, you know, paying for certain expenses. And, um, you know, I think it's still an ongoing conversation. And it was funny. It wasn't until my um, husband and I did our debt-free screen, we we were on the Dave Ramsey show for the Dave, uh, for the debt free screen. And it wasn't until one of um, AJ's parents, friends reached out to them and said, Hey, I think, I think I saw your son or heard your son on the radio. Was he on the radio? <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden they were like, Oh yeah, yeah. We're totally like, <laughs> yeah, those, those are our kids. yeah, those are our kids. Right. And so yeah. it's like, Okay, well, you know, I guess they that was a way for them to come around. So they've come around now, but it's still an ongoing process. And I think, I don't know if it's a generational thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just a cultural thing or whatever. Um, but that was probably the hardest, the hardest one. And, and it's because I think also we're all, you know, as, as kids, we all want to make our parents proud. I think we all, to a certain extent, no matter how old we are, still care about what our parents have to say in terms of their opinions and so it was hard when they were like I don't understand why you're doing this and I don't understand why you don't want to you know do the things that we the, the way that we did it um yeah. but that was also the greatest impetus I think as well for both of us my husband and I both looked at ourselves and we said we, we're seeing our parents had to work into their 70s his parents were still mm -hmm. working and we're like that's not going to be us like we're going to want to retire and retire well and yeah and be able to leave a legacy as well. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I think to your point, like, it, it, I think it just it spills over in a lot of areas because I even think about like my, my wife's mom, like when we try to, you know, do plant where we're not, um, how can I put it? We, we're not completely plant-based where we, we do it when we, when we, when we can, but we try, we try our best. And my, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law, she just cannot understand it. She's like, that's probably like, that's probably why you're tired. That's probably why you did like, you need to eat real food. Like, so I, think it, <laughs> I think it just spills over in a lot of areas. And conceptually, it's like, this is how we do it. Like, there's a lot of new things that we're learning now as a society. Like, you know, growing up, I ate whatever I wanted. I would eat cereal. I didn't, I didn't read labels. You know, none of that, none of that stuff mattered. And so I just think, like, as we're getting greater and greater access to information and, you know, we're taking action on making changes that align with what we're learning, I think it's harder for uh, that our parents' generation to just wrap their head around it because they did it a certain way for so long, whether it's the way they eat, whether it's the way they manage money. And so it is it is a little bit of a challenge for them to, to see how we do things. Um, but yeah. I know, because I, I even think about like Christmas and my wife's family is huge on Christmas. And they have three trees and enough presents for seven years. <laughs> 
Like the first time I went, it was overwhelming. Like I had, I had never seen that many presents in my life, but I made a decision. I was just like, you know, I'm like, we're adults. I was like, we can buy what we want when we want. I was like, I'm just not gonna like spend all this money on the, on, on Christmas. It just didn't, didn't make sense to me. I was like, now we can have an experience. We can go do something. I was like, I just, I don't think that's the tradition I want to carry forward. But because it's so big to her family, like it was, it was a hard balance when they're like, what you, what you guys do for Christmas? What'd you guys get each other? We're just looking at each other like a trip, <laughs> um, you know, because we don't really do the big gift thing anymore. And so yeah. they, sh- they just could not wrap their head around it. Like, what do you mean? Like you didn't, you, you didn't open presents this morning. And, and so it's just, it's different. And I, but I think the most important thing is that you have to, like you said, reverse engineer your life goals, right? And mm-hmm. what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my legacy to look like? What are the things that I want to carry forward? And yes, we want to make our parents and our friends proud of us, but at the end of the day, we want to make ourselves proud. Right. We want to have peace and we want to have fulfillment and we want to have happiness. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we continuing to do things because of how our friends and family feel about it? Or do, do, do these things truly align with what we want most after we sat down and had that tough conversation with ourselves about what matters. Yes. And I think to your point, um, I think one of the mistakes that I made in this process, especially as it relates to family and friends is early on, um, as we were doing this and I was being pretty transparent about it. Um, after I got over the initial shame, because we were seeing so much progress, I got super excited about it. And I think Mm -hmm. when I get super excited about something, like I want other people to know. Right. And I think sometimes it came off as like, you should be doing this also, which is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Everyone's lifestyle is different. Just as I don't want them pushing a certain lifestyle on me, I shouldn't be doing that to them. Mm -hmm. But I could see in hindsight how it would have come off that way. And so I think that's where some of our contention points were was like, I think in us doing what we were doing and sharing what we were doing, they felt like it was a certain judgment on their lifestyle. And probably in some cases it was <laughs> when, you know, when I was like, do you really need that new iPhone? Like, do you really need, like, you know, and I've had to take a step back and reflect on myself and say, all right, uh, these are our life goals. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Um, what everyone else is doing irrelevant <laughs> for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, and just because you want to do it your way um, doesn't make it wrong. And just because I want to do it my way doesn't make it wrong. Um, so when I now, when I get at, asked for advice or tips or whatever, I'm very explicit to people to say like, this is what worked for me. And here are the circumstances in which it worked. And so take what you want from that and how it applies to you. But by no means is this like, oh, this is the best way right. that One anyone- fits all like approach, yeah. Live. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes that makes perfect sense. And one of the things that um, I'm curious about is like, I know, for some people who are like married or in a relationship, like, there might be one spouse who just is like, whoa, like, like, especially if you it's a dr- dramatic change, like, I'm, we're going from spending how we want to spend to drawing a hard line in the sand. Um, it, it, I don't know how I know you mentioned that your, your husband still wanted to use his credit card. But conceptually, it seems like you know, at a high level, he was bought in. Um, what what advice or insight would you give for someone who is all in on this decision to crush their money goals, but their spouse maybe isn't on the same page yet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the biggest thing that I took away from this was, you know, not only talking the talk, but walking the walk mm-hmm. um, situation. And like I said, when before this, I mean, I'm from New York City. I used to like live on Fifth Avenue. Like I used to shop all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm happy to spend my money on anything and everything. Uh, in our relationship, I'm definitely the spender for sure. And in the beginning, when I said that I really wanted to tackle this, my husband was like, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. And this mm-hmm. is along the lines of the same, like I've tried to go, I've, I've tried to go plant-based at some point. I've tried all sorts of things before and I never <laughs> well, like went through with a lot of them. And so I could see where he was like, yeah, okay, sure. We'll do this. And kind of going along with it. But he's like, oh, okay, it'll just give her a few days and she'll get over this bad. Like she does everything else. <laughs> but for whatever reason, this one really stuck. <laughs> and And so it wasn't until he really saw like that I started selling everything in the house. I started working, you know, double time on my side hustle. I was trying to figure out how to make extra commission. Like he saw a serious behavioral change. Mm -hmm. And I had a girlfriend um, 
one too asked me to come help her with finance stuff, but also with house stuff because one of the things that was a nice side effect of us becoming debt free was that we became very like decluttered as well because mm-hmm. I literally sold anything that had value <laughs> in order to make this debt thing go faster. And so she was like, how are you keeping your house clean? I'm like, I just have less stuff. Like that's really <laughs> all that is. And <laughs> so she, she was like, well, can you come help us? And so I came to her house and she was looking, she brought me into their master closet and she was like, look at his stuff. His stuff is a mess. Everything is everywhere. I can never get him to clean up. And I was mm-hmm. just like, I love you, girlfriend, but your side isn't that much better. So I don't know why you're so focused on his stuff. Why don't we clean up your side first mm-hmm. and we'll, you know, we'll take up your stuff and then, you know, worry about him later. Like you need to focus on yourself and, you know, showing him that you're serious about this. And she calls me up, you know, a month later and she was like, you will never believe this. She was like, his, she sent, she sent me a picture of his side and it was like pristine. And I was like, wow, you did a great job. She's like, I didn't do that. He did it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, he did that. She's like, I think he saw that my side was neat all the time that he realized that it would, that he had to clean up his own stuff. But when it was both of us, then it was, it was easy to just say like, Oh, both of us are messy. And so I think that's, you know, equivalent to how it looks like with finances and stuff too. Like I have a lot of people who reach out to me or like, my husband is not on the same page. How did you get your husband to do this? And I was just like, well, are you on it? (laughs) Are you walking the walk and not just saying that you want to get it done? And I think by doing that and modeling that behavior, that goes a really long way. Yeah, because I think it's it's the natural human nature, right? For, For most people, it's like, it's only so long you can look at someone who is doing something that you know is right. They're getting results. They're committed to it and not wonder, huh? maybe I should give it a try also, right? But so I think to your point, we just have to focus on ourselves, right? First mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and focus on that. And this, and you just are leading by example. Granted, you know, every situation is nuanced and circumstantial. It doesn't mean that person's automatically going to want to do what you're doing. But I think to your point, if you just walk the walk yourself, then it gives them proof that, okay, oh, number one, he or she is committed and then number two, they can actually see, you know, whatever benefits are, made, are coming from that. And then they want to latch on to it. I think it goes back to like what we talked about offline when we had our first conversation about representation, right? It's like, you know, people have to see things, right? And then what better way for them to see it than the person that they live with or married to um, doing that very thing, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just like people can't wrap their head around it because they've seen it on TV or they've heard someone else talk about it, but they've never seen it. And so you can Mm -hmm. be an original light and that original spark. And then that can be the change that uh, transitions them into making, making good decisions. So that that makes a lot of sense to me. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I think the other piece too, as it comes to relationships specifically also, I think the biggest shift for us was that there was still a little bit of sense. I mean, we weren't completely separate, but before tackling the debt, we did have a little bit of sense of like, this is your money and this is my money. And when we truly combined all our finances, as in now we have, you know, one checking account and two savings accounts and we have Mm -hmm. access to all of each other's stuff that really changed the, the dynamic as well. And I think that is something that I always found so interesting is when I do talk with other couples and specifically women, which I find really interesting is that they're like, oh yeah, you know, I keep my own accounts because I don't want him asking me all these questions about these Amazon purchases. It's always Amazon. (laughs) That always seems to be uh, a contentious point. And I've had to turn back and say, is it because they think that you shouldn't buy it or because you know that you shouldn't have bought it? Mm, And when, yeah, when I've, when I've posed that question, I'm like, if you felt like you really needed that thing from Amazon and it was justified, then why do you care what they say? (laughs) You know? And so, so that's, that's been a shift that I've, um, that I've learned over the last two years to ask more questions before kind of making those judgments. Yeah, because when you combine all your money, you can't hide, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you really have to practice what you preach because all, all of the transactions are visible. I know my wife and I, we, it took us a year. Well, not, we took a year to, to gradually um, intertwine our finances. Um, so the first year we had just our joint bill, shared bill account and we still had our personal account separate. But honestly, it was a lot easier 
when we combined our accounts because I remember like we were trying to delineate who was going to do what and I was like hey well technically that's something you're supposed to purchase but I'm you're not here and it just it just was too much um and so actually I was glad when we made the move to combine our finances it creates more transparency more accountability you can't hide you know those purchases like you said those Amazon purchases my wife still does make up quite a few of those. Um, <laughs> I do too, but he knows <laughs> yeah. it. And it, I, I know he knows it. So I just do it anyway. <laughs> That's right, the right, to her defense, most of it is ne our necessities. Like, you know, um, cause I mean, Amazon promise makes it so easy. You can order your paper. Yeah. yeah. So I'm my initial reaction when I see the box, I'm like, what is this? This like, <laughs> paper towels. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so one question that I have, because one of the things I've, I've, thought about over the years is there's not a one size fits all approach to like your money goals, right? So I like, I like kind of the rebrand of crush your money goals. Cause of course debt is a huge component of it, but there's a lot that goes into it. Right. Um, and so one of the things I've, I've become more open to is that there's multiple ways to approach, you know, your money goals. There's not a one size fits all. Cause to your point, I had my way of doing it. Other people have their way of doing it, but, but now I'm at a point is whatever, like, like people say, what's the best workout plan? The best workout plan is the one that you will do. Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter whether it's CrossFit, doesn't matter whether it's uh, long distance running, strength training, the best one is the one that you'll do. So now I'm much more an advocate for by reverse engineering your money goals, which path seems like the, mo the best route for you to take that you can actually see yourself doing. But my question is, you know, like when you make an approach of, of being super aggressive, and I'm a big fan of like sometimes living in the extremes because that's where great things happen but when you're so aggressive with the debt payoff do you feel like like in hindsight uh that that is um maybe not the best approach thinking about the fact that you know you still have to uh save and invest and <clears throat> excuse me prioritize other money goals or do you feel like being aggressive was the spark that allowed you to you know go into the other avenues of building your financial plan yeah, that's a great question. I think, again, it goes back to exactly what you said. You have to know who you are and you have to know what your goals are, mm -hmm. but you also have to be realistic about the type of person that you are, right? So uh, as I've alluded to, I am someone who gets really excited about something very quickly and then also burns out <laughs> very quickly. Uh, like I would make a break. I always tell my husband who happens to be a project manager, like I would be a great project manager because there's a beginning and an end and I can work really hard and really intense for a short period of time. Um, and so for me, being aggressive about it was the right approach for me because the thought of doing that even for a longer period of time, I probably would have quit, to be honest. <laughs> that's, that's just the type of person that I am. And so the reason I had that two-year plan was because I had a specific end goal in mind with that, with quitting my day job. But also it's like, I don't feasibly see myself, you know, prolonging this effort much longer than that. And then it turns out after the two years, it was like, oh, I still have energy left. Let's go pay off that rental property. A year after that, I was like, oh yeah, let's go pay off our house. And uh, I've gotten a lot of questions about that because especially when it comes to paying off the house, because there's always this debate about like, well, why would you pay off the house if you can get a higher return and putting it in the market and da 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 da, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually wrote an article about it saying like, you know, here's the reason, here's the questions you should ask yourself, right? If you should pay off the house or not, because I don't advocate that everyone should pay off their house mm -hmm. immediately. Um, for me, the reason that I paid off the house early was because we know that we we're going to live here for a significant amount of time. Um, we knew that even if we didn't live here, we'd probably keep it as a rental property. And so if it's debt free, then we, you know, have more cash flow coming through. Uh, we generally like our house <laughs> as well. <laughs> and, um, and we were already investing, like we we're already maxing out our 401ks. We are, uh, I was already investing in my business as a business owner. So the only other place that we could think of that felt reasonable to us was to pay off the house. So a lot of people's questions are like, well, why didn't you do this instead? Which I always caveat with people, like before you say something like that to someone, ask them what they're already doing mm. because that even came up this week. Someone commented on one of my posts, you know, I said something like, you know, I just want to save enough money so that life is not about money at all. And someone was like, well, saving is not going to you know, get you anywhere. You need to have this, that, and whatever. And I was like, excuse me, sir. I already have all those things. <laughs> I already invest. I already am a business owner. I already had rental property. I already do all that stuff. So 
you know, saving is my other option. <laughs> and it just happened to be like a very small piece of my larger puzzle. So to your que original question of like looking at all the pieces of the puzzle of what your goals are and what type of person you are and what um, kind of family you have, you know, there is going to be probably several different options. None of them are necessarily wrong. Um, and none of them are necessarily better depending on what the situation is. I, you know, another example, I had someone reach out to me and, you know, said that, you know, all of this, they, they listed out all the things that were going on with their life. And I said, well, one thing that you didn't mention was health. Like, how's your family? How, like, is everyone in good health? And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, actually my mom has like cancer treatments. And I was like, do you have enough money to pay for her cancer treatments? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, why are you asking me about investment questions right now? <laughs> like, you know, like think about what that whole holistic picture looks like and then decide what those things are. Um, and it's likely not going to be the same for any, anyone. hundred percent. That's what I always tell people is like, it's called personal finance for a reason, right? And it's personal to you and it's not a one size fits all. Yes, there's some principles that um, are, you know, typically apply and could be valuable to the average person, but you always have to sit down and ask yourself, like, is this right for me? Like mm -hmm. the moment you look at someone else's life, the way they're doing things and say, I'm going to do it just like that is the moment you'll lose. Yes. Because you can't, it's not for you. That's their life. That's their journey you need to figure out what yours is and decide the best approach for you. So what are you most excited about this year? I mean, we, you know, the year's moving along pretty good at this point. We're already, you know, about to be done with Q1 here shortly, which is crazy. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, you know, what are, what are you excited about for this year? Um, so related to the crush your money goals uh, mission. So I'm on a mission to eliminate a million dollars of debt. And I just started our group um, and I'm looking and I'm still looking, always looking for uh, people who are really serious about paying off at least $10,000 of debt over the course of the year. And I kind of akin it to like a Weight Watchers, but for debt. So people will get support, online support. We have um, regular meetings that we can talk through a lot of the issues, not just from a practical standpoint of like, oh, where should I be putting my money or how should I budget? But like, oh, this situation came up and I felt really bad about it. Like, mm -hmm. how can I how can I kind of walk through that emotional journey of this as well? And I've been really excited about the conversations that have already come out of this group. Our first, our very first meeting unexpectedly went probably the best that I could have hoped for in the sense that like, it was almost about, not about money at all. It gotcha. was about, the, you know, the women in the group were talking about like, I am on this every journey. I'm committed to it. I'm excited for it, but my friends don't get it. But my family doesn't get it people keep calling me cheap. <laughs> like there's like all of this conversation that was like the, the best thing that came out of it that all of the people in the group were like, Oh, me too. I feel that way also. And this is how I dealt with it. Or, you know, I, I understand what you're going through. And I was like, Oh, I'm not the only one. And that is exactly what I wanted the group to be, to be yeah. a group of people who are going through the same thing and can be a support for each other and share those experiences. And the piece that I'm excited about, and I haven't, fully figured it out yet is turning all of this into a documentary, which is kind of like a creative outlet for me this year. And I'm not by any means versed in that space. Uh, I don't even watch movies that much, to be honest. <laughs> so I've been spending a lot of time just researching, um, just filmmaking and watching other documentaries. Uh, something that was oddly related, but not related at the same time was seeing Parasite, the movie, win at the Oscars, which was the first time I've ever seen any Asian people <laughs> at the Oscars. Yeah. Um, and I'm Asian. And so it that was, to me, like a sign of, wow, this is the first time I'm seeing representation in this industry that I never considered I could be a part of, potentially. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. And then personally, I am um, on a music kick. I've... Uh, I went to go see Celine Dion and Andrew Pacelli. I'm going to see Michael Bublé. I'm going to see my K-pop group this year, BTS. I just decided I'm going to see any and every concert that I can possibly see, yeah. which is totally in line with, and that's what I tell people. It's like the debt-free journey is finite. If you think that I am not living my life because I continue to 
to uh, adhere to a debt-free lifestyle, like I promise you, I'm fine. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm having my fun. That's 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 a huge takeaway. It's like, hey, look, I've, I've crushed the goal, and now I can focus on other things. I like I love what you said that you want to save enough money so that money isn't like the thing that you have to worry about. And there's so much. there's so much to do so much life to enjoy that if you can get yourself to a place where you're not thinking about money, right? Like you've gotten to your, like, that's the money part is figured out. You can truly enjoy life. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, for those folks who want to follow this journey, maybe even participate in in tap in with all the wonderful things you have going on, where can they find you? Uh, So you can go to my website, which is crushyourmoneygoals.com. And on all social media, I am Bernadette Joy, but spelled B-E-R-N-A-D-E-B-T-J-O-Y. Love it. Love it. And I'm, I'm big. You mentioned that you're um, thinking about creating a documentary. I'm big on casting vision and just putting things out there um, and, and being able to go back and say, man, I, I, we said that was going to happen. So I'm putting it out there on the podcast. I don't know exactly what it looks like or exactly what it's going to be, but me and Miss Bernadette, we will figure out some way to collaborate in some capacity uh, to share more ways to crush your money goals. And so I'm excited about whatever that looks like, whenever that happens. Uh, but I'm okay saying that on the podcast because I'm confident uh, that it will happen. So thank you so much for all of your wisdom and insight that you shared today. And guys, I know you're going to find this extremely valuable. Uh, crush your money goals. What else is there to say? Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.